Hey, it's Moog, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm going to be deep diving into the lyrics and message of The Archer and Dear Reader. Now, I think Dear Reader is a sequel to The Archer, and I've made a TikTok video about this. It's currently episode 66 in my Gaylor Theories playlist over on at Hey, It's Moog. But I wanted to deep dive a little bit more into that. And so I've decided to make it an episode here. Now, there is another podcast called The Archers that deep dives into this song as well, which I recommend people check out because they go more into depth about the specifics of Sagittarius. But for this one, I'll be focusing on how I think Dear Reader is a sequel to The Archer and how it brings up this reoccurring theme that Taylor seems to reference a lot. Now, Taylor has a few reoccurring themes in her music, but today I'll be discussing one that I covered in my Enneagram Mastermind episode of this podcast, which is that she thinks she needs to present a certain way or have a certain image in order to be liked, and that she feels anyone who truly knows her no longer likes her and inevitably leaves her, that she has to reach a certain level of success or notoriety to be liked and be this fake version of what people want her to be or what she thinks people want her to be, as we hear in Mirrorball. I'll also briefly be discussing the fire motif, which I plan on deep diving into on another episode, and how she is haunted by fire, but she is the fire that she's afraid of. So let's take it back to Lover era. It's generally known in the Gaylor fandom that Lover was going to be her coming out era, and a series of events prevented that from happening. Now I think it was a few different things that prevented her from coming out, namely Scooter buying her masters, of course, but also there was quite a bit of fandom backlash when it was rumored she and Katy Perry were going to kiss in the Need to Calm Down music video. So I think there was a couple of things that kind of led her to redacting the original plan of the Lover era. So she doesn't come out during the Lover album, but it's done anyway, and she goes live one day to discuss the Archer and how the fandom has noticed her track fives are significant. You can see that whole YouTube video, um, the live stream of it, by looking up Taylor Swift full Instagram live announcement for the Archer, and it's uploaded by Lauren Lipman. Now in that live, she's wearing a shirt with a bow and arrow on the pocket, and her necklace also has the same bow and arrow. She talks about all the different Easter eggs she had leading up to the Archer's release, including but not limited to in the You Need to Calm Down music video, how she has Haley Kiyoko shoot a bow and arrow at a target with a five on it, which is significant because Haley Kiyoko is a lesbian musician. Now, I think this song would have been so much more significant if she had come out, but she didn't, and the fandom seems to not really understand the song because of its lack of context. So let's talk fire and the archer real quick. Sagittarius, Taylor's sun sign, is a fire sign. She references this a lot during Red Era. She says lines like twin fire sign, twin flame bruise. But Sagittarius is also the centaur, which in Greek mythology is a half man, half horse. Their general character was that of wild, lawless, and inhospitable beings the slaves of their animal passions, but there are exceptions like Chiron in the mythology. The first centaur is born from a cloud, which as we have seen on Aristor and in her midnight era, she leans into that aspect. She goes into clouds and lavender haze. Um, so she is the centaur. She is simultaneously the man that hunts and the animal who is hunted. She is her own worst enemy, blended together in such a way where she almost cannot tell where one begins and the other ends. Now, I believe she uses this metaphor to represent the struggle of her decision to come out, 
which she battles with doing. She says, I've got a hundred thrown out speeches I almost said to you because she is also simultaneously Taylor Swift the human being and Taylor Swift the brand. Someone who is queer and wants so desperately to be seen and someone who feels she needs to be seen a certain way. Now the man of the centaur, the brand, the hunter, is the being she presents to the world. That part is what you see when you first look at her, but she is also always that other part, the horse, the prey, the real person. Now this fire motif comes up, and I plan on doing an episode on this, as I said earlier, but in the end, it's the same metaphor of being the centaur man and prey. Being the thing she is so desperately afraid of, because the only thing that can ever bring Taylor Swift the brand down is Taylor Swift the person. Now this goes back to my mastermind episode, which if you haven't listened, I hope you listen to it because it covers a lot of what I'll be discussing here. But we know that she was bullied as a kid for being herself, so she learned to be a certain way. But as she says in The Archer, I never grew up, it's getting so old, because she's stuck at the age she got famous. She's just learned how to adapt and present a certain way, which I have many, many autistic friends, and I've had a few therapists lately tell me that I may be autistic, which I don't know if I connect with that, but I can definitely see why my autistic Swifty friends read Mastermind as an autism anthem. Now, I think the you that she discusses in The Archer and Dear Reader is us, her fans. In The Archer, she's saying, I see right through me, they see right through me, can you see right through me? And she's begging us to stay. She's begging us to see the real her, but she's also terrified that we will because she thinks that people who know the real her will leave her. There's a reoccurring theme in her music that people who get close to her and know the real her end up leaving. So she's begging us to hold on to her because she doesn't know if she will have the strength to hold on to us. She references this in Dear Reader as well by saying, my friends find friends who care. And again, she alludes to this in The Archer by referencing the nursery rhyme Humpty Dumpty with all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put me together again because all of my enemies started out friends which I think means that anyone who gets close to her and knows the real person and not the brand hates her, dislikes her, doesn't care about her, and all the king's horses, all the king's men, anyone in the world with the power to put her back together when this idea we have of her is shattered and broken apart, when we see both sides of the centaur, that all of those people with all of that power wouldn't care enough to put in the effort to do so because they don't like what they see when that shell has cracked. And all of this comes across as an anxious avoidant attachment style where she thinks solitude is safety. She jumps off the train and rides off alone. Pick somewhere and just run. Burn all the files. Desert all your past lives. Burning down your old life and starting fresh is so anxious avoidant of her. She also brings this up in The Great War with I drew curtains closed, drank my poison all alone. She feels trapped by herself, unable to break free of what she's created. Which is why I find the fire motif so interesting. Is she says, the room is on fire, invisible smoke. She uses fire imagery a lot in her songs because she thinks of herself as this uncontrollable thing that will inevitably burn down everything she holds dear, and she feels suffocated by it. Which, after seeing the heiress tour where she's burned down the lover house, makes it all even more loud. She says, I cut off my nose just to spite my face, and I hate my reflection for years and years because she feels cursed and unable to escape something that she is responsible for. She is her own worst enemy. 
but that fire burns brightly, and while she's hoping that you won't burn with her, she's also desperately hoping that you stay anyway. Find another guiding light, but I shine so bright. Who could leave me, but who could stay? I found it interesting that the true end to Midnight's was Dear Reader, because it feels so final and important, but she chose not to put it on the main album, because Midnight's is Taylor Swift the brand, and Midnight's 3am is Taylor Swift the person. One starts and one ends, but they also blend seamlessly together into one larger thing. And you guys, I love both of these songs so very much. The Archer is a song that haunts me. I would listen to The Archer and Dear Reader back to back on loops for hours and hours, trying to put my feelings into words because I felt so consumed by emotion hearing them, but it took me a while to figure out exactly what message I was receiving from her. And in the end, this is the message that I've decoded. And I don't know where Taylor is with coming out or if she has a decision whether or not she's going to do it, if she's ever going to do it, because there is that line in Dear Reader that says the greatest of luxuries are your secrets. But I don't I don't know. I just I feel like she thinks she's out to the people who see it, which is us, the Gaylers. And because she inhabits this body that is simultaneously Taylor Swift, the brand and Taylor Swift, the person that may be the closest she ever gets to actually coming out and living her truth. And I don't know, you know, one day she could decide to come out. There is a world in which we're all wrong and she's just alluding to other stuff that we're seeing queer meaning to which i would absolutely lose my mind if that were the case because there's no fucking way but i feel like both of these songs are so deeply personal to taylor swift the person and i think that in songs that are as true to her as she can make them she heavily heavily codes them with metaphors and stuff so that people can't entirely decode it and see the real her but she's trying to give us just enough to see the real her because like I've been saying this whole episode, she wants to be seen even if that terrifies her. And that's all I have to say about this. So if you liked this episode, please give this podcast a follow, leave a rating, and uh, follow me on social media. You can find me at Hey It's Moog pretty much anywhere. Every time I post a new podcast episode, I post a video on my TikTok letting people know that there is a new episode out. And in the comments of that video is where I like to have discussions with y'all about the episode. So if you have any thoughts or anything to say, leave me a comment or stitch the video if it's easier to talk. I make a lot of videos on TikTok because it's easier to just talk and ramble than it is to type 50 comments trying to stay within the character limit. And while I have you guys, I wanted to let you know that GayApparelClothing.com and I have collaborated And there are Gaylor tees that you can now buy. I design them myself. I do graphic design for freelance in my day-to-day life. And I have designed two different Gaylor designs. You can either get a front print that has the daisy that was left on the dashboard, or you can get a back print that says Gaylor in this cool drippy font thing that I've come up with. Those are available for pre-sale now for a limited time only. So please go check out gayapparelclothing.com and see if there's anything up there you like. The Renee Rapp tee I also did with Gay Apparel is back and available for pre-order as well. Plus, there's a bunch of other great stuff on gayapparelclothing.com. They've got embroidered designs, they've got prints, they've got stickers. I love Gay Apparel. I've been working with them for years and years and years now. 
Uh, the owner is one of my good friends. And so please head over to gayapparelclothing.com and check it out. They have sizes ranging from extra small to 6XL, and they ship everywhere. I want to thank you guys so much for your patience. Uh, life has been crazy busy, and I do have plans to do more episodes. This episode has been living in the Notes app on my phone. And every time I have a thought, I jot it down, and then I sit down and try to write out an episode so that I can talk about it. Um, I am in the process of moving and work's picking up, so content is a little bit slow. But that's the reality of when you do this stuff for fun and not as a career. It's way easier for podcast people to put out stuff weekly when they can live off of solely doing this, which I'm not there yet. In the meantime, if you'd like to hear my original music, which is kind of about someone who's basically my Carly, like our lives parallel each other so much in that sense, down to the them getting married to someone else, then you can look up my name, Moog Ferlita, anywhere that you listen or stream music. And you will find my debut EP titled Want To, Wish I Hadn't, which is heavily inspired by Taylor in the sense where it's like a lot of pop ballads and the bridges are the best parts. And there's also a couple pop punk songs thrown in there. I highly recommend listening to tracks two through six, as the first one was not professionally produced, even though it starts the album. Um, and I don't want to off-put people by them hearing that and thinking it's going to be low quality because the rest of them are professionally produced songs. Thank you once again for listening. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode of this podcast, and I will catch you all later. Bye.